um, we are back for another episode of the FinTech Magazine podcast today. And I've got an absolute delight, which in actually in this time, I will be talking to a special guest called uh, Hussein Azari. He is CEO of a very special company. But before we start off with an introduction, um, before we kick things off, how are you doing today, Hussein? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's a good day. Uh, great talking to you. So I was going to say the sun is shining. It seems to be that spring is, you know, finally come around the corner <laughs> well, it looks like that it's not that uh th like that uh warm out there mm. like new york weather is a little there's sun but it's also there's also snow on the ground so oh you still got snow oh wow okay <laughs> a little bit on the ground it's, not, it's melting away ah see yeah that's where it gets a little bit misleading at the moment as soon as the sun's out you think it's going to be you know nice t-shirt weather but no not yet but um hopefully it will be <laughs> in the next few weeks but we'll see um so like i mentioned to our fintech listeners um it's a pleasure to have you on the show today thank you for uh, for joining us the uh the first questions i've got for you hussein is um could you in a few words explain for our listeners um i suppose a bit of an introduction um, for yourself? Sure. Uh, uh, my name is Hossein Azari. Uh, I have been working in fintech space for uh, five, six years now. Uh, before that, I was in technology. I worked for Google and research uh, and advertisement. And before that, I uh, worked on a uh, basically PhD working on computational economics lab in Harvard, studying networks how you think about crowd when they decide to do something from aggregating their votes to like incentivizing them to do the right things uh for themselves and for the for either both individual or or the social uh welfare uh, so my current work and maybe for last couple of years i have been uh, focusing on how do you innovate in the industry uh, in a way that helps consumer and tries to uh, provide a better financial uh, system or products for the consumers. Uh, mm -hmm. The first the way I think about it, the first episode of that was uh, the startup called Clarity Money, where I was a co-founder uh, and uh, our motto was kind of building champion of your money. And we did a great deal in kind of building products and helping consumers to both understand uh, their finances as well as have actions to do, to improve. And the second episode for me has been around uh, to go deeper in what are the new like leading edge of technology that can be used again for consumers benefit, uh, which is mostly focused on blockchain and with the big mission of leveling the financial playing field uh, for the consumer. Well, that sounds great. I think, you know, the note you just touched on there, obviously, that's going to be one of our key themes for this episode is all to do with blockchain, um, which we always love to talk about on the FinTech podcast. Um, it's a topic that never gets old. Um, but um, it sounds fascinating what you've actually just mentioned in regards to your focus on um, the consumer as your sort of um, main target in, in what you do. Would you say that's something which is really um, with any work that you are doing, the consumer is always sort of... Um, at the forefront? Uh, yes, I mean, uh, it is a learning from how technology has magically changed everything in the last 20, 30 years. And uh, you can see it uh, by looking at the products, how consumer focused they are, or they should be to be able to uh, keep going and keep the traction. But you also see it from, uh, you know, these early interviews of 
uh, folks like you know big big people in the space, uh, folks like Jeff Bezos, uh, for example, like he has this 96, 97 interviews that he literally mm-hmm. says we are going to put consumer first and we are going to win this game, and uh, his confidence in like saying that back then is just uh, I think the reason for his success down the road. It is it is by this time it's a known fact that putting consumer first is how you build something uh, impactful in technology. But unfortunately, that hasn't been uh, the kind of the driving force in uh, financial system. Uh, there has been great deal of fintech that try to do that and we are benefiting from it, but there's a lot more to do. And that is where I think we should care more and uh, there will be a lot to do and a lot to happen in the next decade. Um, Absolutely. I think um, one thing we are already witnessing at the moment, how, um, I suppose, what's the word? Um, <laughs> unexpected, uh, the, you know, the start of, um, you know, 2020, plus, you know, moving forward um, with the current times we are living in um, is one, obviously, where we can see the interesting side of fintech you know in regards to the innovation the development um but really like you said focusing on the technology side which is something which is something that's you know quite pivotal um to really see where like you said it's going to be um in you know the next decade um so for a moment um obviously you um you've introduce yourself perfectly already to our listeners. Um, but could you, um, as a timeline, um, discuss your career background and how you are currently involved in fintech and I suppose in more detail? Yeah, sure. Um, I started thinking about fintech or maybe a financial product when uh, I needed it for myself. This was 2014, 2015. I had this mm-hmm. job with Google paying me well. Uh, I had the money. I wanted to know what do you do with it? Uh, so how do you invest? How do you spend? How do you uh, uh, save? And uh, I started learning like from here and there. I mean, it was a little bit uh, for at this person like me, myself, who as a researcher or tries to like read a couple of papers about anything you mm. uh, like, uh, anything substantial you try to do. Like I didn't find much, uh, you know, uh, systematic way to think about it. And, and that was a signal that down the road, I mean, you know, connecting the dots down the road, you realize like really there, there wasn't focus on a person like me to, to benefit from the, their earnings. Uh, there was a lot of focus to make me spend it. There was a lot of focus to make me to make bad decisions <laughs> with that money, but not many, not much focus uh, to help me to do good stuff with it for my future, for my family and et cetera. So uh, that got me to think uh, with like also the like kind of uh, product ambitions that inside Google you get to learn about. We had this notion back then, it was early days of Google Assistant. That got me to think like, well, why not think about an assistant that helps people with their financial decisions as well? And I went around, I wrote proposals, I discussed it with, uh, people, and eventually that got me to think about doing this and think think about uh, the fact that doing it outside Google as like taking uh, the risks on my own uh, is a, probably for me was the most practical way at the moment. So, and that got me to uh, both 
do the first company, Clarity Money, as well as apply and try to get into uh, business school to just understand finance. I, was, I also didn't know much about finance uh, besides my just, you know, learning here and there, but systematically kind of studying these. So um, 2016 uh, to 2018, I tried to learn as much as I can about finance, uh, do uh, on the ground, like build products, help consumers understand what they want. And uh, through those two years, uh, I think my mindset changed about like, you know, maybe I went from an ambitious, uh, you know, uh, optimist to more like uh, uh, an optimist <laughs> still, but mm-hmm. thinking about where we should put the, like, what is, what is to get me, what, what is to convince me that there is a way out of this legacy system that's stopping innovation mm-hmm. for consumer, thinking about it simply with based on that experience and just being a follower of the blockchain space, there were principles there that kind of, um, at least it would give you the first sparks that you can actually build a, a more fair system using these platforms. Uh, principles like decentralization, uh, governance by the community. And uh, that got me into being a builder in the blockchain space. Uh, at the time, this was 2018, and it was um, a little bit, they called it crypto winter. The retail and people, how you use crypto, uh, was not very active. A lot of people got burned because of bad investment decisions they made uh, in the like peaks of 2017. So the the viable business you could work on was to build B2B, build infrastructure to help the clients uh, uh, who have been trying to build products also in the blockchain space and to be backend that they can trust the source of data that... Uh, accelerates innovation so other companies can just get the data from us and then do whatever they are doing so and uh, um, that was how they uh, my transition to the uh, blockchain as a builder happened 2018 and to you you pointed to like like 2020 and all everything that happened and obviously a lot of unfortunate events were packed in one year mm-hmm. <laughs> way too much for one year but at the same time, I think it, it acted as a catalyst for us to think very carefully about some of the stuff we have built around mm-hmm. ourselves, that we take them for granted. We think uh, they're just fine. We, when, when you have shocks like that and you evaluate things, you, all, you often like start realizing what is the next thing to build so that you don't go through the same hardship that uh, of not being prepared and part of that quite honestly is uh, revealing again revealing many different systems we we realize their issues but revealing in the like consumer and consumer finance uh, we have built a system that is inherently uh, skewed toward helping some people and not really paying attention to their risk mm-hmm. so and this is this is a mix of technology, business models, generational uh, biases, and that really got, you know, highlighted. Got you know, got got kind of came out as a kind of more like naked fact, and uh, it resonates very well with uh, with again how 
blockchain industry and blockchain uh, at least set its principles. But there was also practical uh, e evolution in the blockchain space. Last summer, summer 2020, they call it DeFi summer. So what mm -hmm. happened through that summer was a lot of uh, products uh, such as decentralized exchanges, uh, lending, borrowing uh, were launched that they just needed blockchain to operate. They didn't need a third party to like own the ledger or like own the operations of these uh, financial transactions. And that was very substantial. It was substantial, obviously, in our thinking that we basically discussed and we said, okay, uh, retail will move to DeFi and it, we can now be a bigger part of it. So that was the origins of Seymour app that we have launched now and it's out there. But it was also more substantial for the space that now we had blockchain uh, that's kind of acting as a backbone for a financial system. Mm -hmm. And now the beauty of that is that we have a clean slate. You know, it doesn't on its own solve the problems, but we have a clean slate with with a with a functional system that has also pretty good perspective on improving. And we can now sit down and think: if I had to like build this financial system a little bit differently, what would I do? So there are a lot of great things about it, right? It's not like it is not a good system. Capitalism mm -hmm. and having freedom to do what you're doing is like something that we protect and we put at the core of everything we have built. And I think it is there with, uh, with our economy, with how we treat stuff. But now we have a clean slate to kind of enforce those principles in this space, in this kind of DeFi, decentralized finance. Like how would I treat people? How would I treat users? How? So, and some of the, some of the broken models that hurts consumer uh, in, a, in a skewed way, I think could be flushed out quite honestly uh, by better alternatives and by consumers using it. So uh, that was kind of a longer story. My, <laughs> hopefully I didn't, uh, I didn't go too much off tangent. No, no, not at all. I think with um, everything that you've covered there in regards to obviously, um, I think the way you you put it actually the last year or so has, really been uh, identified as some sort of catalyst you know with how companies have really reacted to it you know it's put things into perspective to think actually where do we see our journey going whether it is in regards to a fintech company you know anything that is technology related and that kind of compliance side of things where you can really see is it still going to be working effectively this is in regards to the consumer um you know going down that route i think you know you've explained it perfectly to be honest um before we um move on to i suppose um some of my other questions for um some of our listeners that tune in obviously we have fintech experts we also have people that are tuning in because they want to find out more about uh, the company that's featured on the episode or just the topics that are mentioned um I mentioned before the key topic for today is all to do with blockchains. Um, Hossein, could you just for a moment discuss or explain actually, um, first of all, blockchain, what is it? And um, in you know a few words, um, why is it a big deal? That's a great question. And uh, we, we have been kind of, we have had a very uh, evolving narrative and discussion around blockchain and why, why, why it matters. So, but just to keep it very simple as what are the first principles, blockchain is a ledger, is a, is a, is a sheet. It's, it just says who owns what. And 
it is available to everybody. Imagine if the ledger of who owns what was out there and everybody had a copy of it. So mm -hmm. now all the blockchain, the hash, all those mechanisms you're here, that's just to enforce the, uh, the, the validity of the ledger that everybody has. So put all those technology aside. This is basically we saying everybody should know what everybody else has on the ledger and be able to transact with it. So when we do that, we have solved the essential problem of uh, removing a third party that everybody trusts. Mm -hmm. We don't need you and I, in order to have a transaction, we don't need to go through someone else that we both know or we both trust. And that is a great deal because it facilitates transactions. It, uh, it improves capability of us doing this stuff, especially in the digital era. So because just think about your internet and tra uh, transactions, like you're using Instagram, using everything. So you, you, most of these relationships are uh, with your peers, right? You are mm -hmm. talking to someone, you are uh, chatting with someone, you're tra transacting with someone. So in order for us to like really facilitate the digital world, we need an alternative that removes the third party, both for the efficiency reasons just because it is not up to the, you know, we have built the financial system 40 years, 50 years ago, and all the internet, the, like just the evolution of internet in the last 20 years, uh, if we haven't changed the system much, mm -hmm. then we are probably not really serving the new digital era. So having that ledger, having the blockchain capability so that everybody can have the ledger and can just interact with each other empowers the digital era and puts it pushes internet to a to a new level. So it's a simple idea, but with big impact and implications. And that's why it matters. It's, it's a big deal. And you, you see uh, all these uh, new products or new ways of doing this stuff, for example, with non-fungible tokens, NFTs, people minting digital art. So you, you, you see all these new things popping up that wouldn't be possible if you didn't have this technology. And that's kind of the expectation uh, from you know, a group of innovators using a new technology. I think that sums it up perfectly, you know, for um, anyone that is listening, you know, if you are aware of the process of blockchain, and like you just said, you know, seeing the new levels which are created each year moving forward, you know, it's kind of, um, it's really one to witness. And I think it's something which really technology is playing a vital role um, in those sort of things, you know, for example, what you mentioned with if it's different social media, um, you know, every bit of technology which you are using, whether it's um, social media or your fintech side of things, you're still having that interaction, that transaction that's happening. Um, but yeah, cutting out the third party, I suppose, that's being involved on the process to make it um, a lot more effective um, and easier for the consumer. So I'd like to move on for a moment. Um, you know, you have worked um, on a consumer finance product uh, that required uh, was acquired uh, by Goldman Sachs. Um, you wrote in your post that you think blockchain is the future of consumer finance. I suppose my first point is why um, do you think that? And um, if you can also comment on what happened um, with that that changed your mind? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So. Um... We have been evolving as a country, as a you know nation, 
uh, through the last couple of hundred years, and we have had drastic changes on on uh, almost everything we do. Like, so there are some principles we never let go. But besides that, everything else to enable those principles. Uh, so, and with uh, with consumer finance, there is a tendency to really stick to the system that we have built, but it takes you some time to realize that maybe you can think about an alternative. You know, maybe there is a different way of doing things. And most of the times the, the way we evolve is we do find an alternative that uh, can be effective and can do better. Uh, so, and I think to me, the evolution was seeing the alternative to materialize. So Ethereum network was launched in 2015, 2016. So this is like a four, four or five years old technology that is doing a lot. So 2018, when I jumped into blockchain, that was like only three, three, four years old. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think our, maybe like as a, again, nation, our uh, big genius is around being ready to you know, uh, embrace the change and help it even to push it further. So the same thing is happening, I think, with consumer finance. We all know from 2008, even from earlier than that, that we have a system that uh, we are a little bit stuck with it. There's things that can get better. And then we keep seeing that kind of backfiring and come back to us, but we didn't really have a good alternative to like think about a building from scratch mm -hmm. or like building some of the components from scratch. But as we see the alternative, I think me and you know any person of like the same profile, like who is a customer or consumer themselves, will find it more interesting to transact in the new world, the same way that people move from new so a social network to a new one, move from a chat new to a new chat system. So that's, that's, that's technology. So you are going to come up with a better alternative and people are going to use it. And that's inevitable. So that's why I think blockchain will uh, inevitably change consumer finance. Um, and obviously there's a lot to do, a lot to work on, but for me, part of my experience was learning, knowing actually, like starting to kind of understand, you know, uh, what is the problem at scale? Maybe I understood my own problem with like not being able to do stuff with my money and getting like bad deals uh, most of the time. But at the scale of like to understand, to go like a little bit higher above and seeing that's actually a problem for many more people, uh, was something that took me some time to realize. Uh, at the same time, uh, seeing a technology that could act as a better alternative. Uh, combining those two, uh, I think it was probably in my case, it was enough of a nudge uh, mm -hmm. to, <laughs> to you know, convince me to spend my time on this. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like you just said, you know, it's... Um interesting to see sometimes actually um you know whether you're persevering with something is actually until you've hit a point where you think actually i think this needs to um you know try and work a different way because there's been times before you know whether we've seen uh, fintech companies um if there's been 
some sort of innovation or some sort of change happening um it's quite key to witness that actually is that the right way to go or is it the wrong way to go you know you mentioned just a moment ago in regards to social media in that sense it's more with the adaption isn't it that actually once you see a different way of technology working then immediately the consumer is kind of sucked into that and thinking actually yes that's definitely how i want to um work with it um i think um one to move on for um which is you know coming towards one of my final questions for you today Hussein. um do you recommend others to join the blockchain space and how can other people get into blockchain space uh yeah that's also a great question so um uh, obviously i'm an um, advocate for um, blockchain industry uh, however there are a lot of things to be uh, aware of like like every other industry there are uh, there are places there are things that i think happen like pump and dumps and things like that that's not what i advocate for personally and i neither the company level we we uh, we like that uh, so that said um, i think for choosing a career path, um, I personally think about what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years mm -hmm. rather than what's happening today. And being able to build four to five, 10 years, like build your resume, build your experience, pays off better and gives you, I think, a better experience with, uh, with jobs that you do. So my, my own uh, kind of uh, background getting into AI was I was an electrical engineer back in 2009 and I was walking around and I saw these uh, discussions around data science is going to be a hot job vertical in like 10 years. And that was enough to get me thinking. And I made some career moves to be able to be part of that AI and machine learning uh, world. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and they were right, you know, when they said it's going to become a big, uh, sector they were right and uh, even like back then you could tell I mean when you see the number of companies are working on something we mean you kind of understand the problems at your level that could get better right mm -hmm. you know when when you imagine oh this is what AI could do like just simplify this product for me then uh, you have a guide to decide and I think putting all those together uh one of the, I think, industries that will have a really bright five to 10 years perspective is, is, uh, is blockchain. What, what's happening right now with, um, uh, you know, everything around crypto as well as other things that will come with this technology uh, at the level of co companies adopting it, the level of uh, brilliant people working on it. Uh, a lot of like new talent has been moving uh, to uh, to the blockchain space so putting those all those together i get enough signal to think blockchain will be a big sector and the earlier you move um, i think the better experience you will have you'll enjoy the ride you will enjoy a dynamic changing space uh, while you will be uh, you will be rewarded for you know being an innovator and that's again how we are built as a nation. I, I, I don't think like staying with the old ways of doing things is, is you know, is in the foundations here. So uh, just putting those together with like, again, a viable uh, new technology that's changing things already in works, 
people should definitely consider it carefully, you know, for, for their career. Sometimes uh, it might not be the good, you know, timing, but um, actively thinking about it will lead to opportunities as well. I do get calls from my friends in financial, working for financial institutions telling me they feel more risk with staying with like the current institutions than jumping into crypto. Mm. Uh, people have a sense of the risk around them, right? So, and just try to like uh, react to that and think about alternatives. And I think that will eventually lead to the right career path. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, that's kind of answered my second question. I was going to say, you know, what um, advice would you offer? But I think with what you've just mentioned there, that's a very um, key point for a lot of our listeners, actually, that with a lot of it on, you know, whatever journey you do have, whether you are going to be involved with the blockchain side of things, or, you know, starting early, you know, taking into account any of the risks that go with it. It's almost as though sometimes the risks and the challenges obviously will shape you better with your experience of actually saying this, you know, this is a definite, yes, something that I can continue with. And then actually this is something I can learn from because sticking to the old ways or traditions, I suppose, with how a certain process goes, doesn't necessarily move you forward. Um, so I think with what, what you've just said there, um, is perfect for our listeners. Um, Hussein, before we um, come to the end of the conversation, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about today whilst I have got the time with you? Well, it was a great chatting with you. I would uh, I would plug our app in here. <laughs> so please download uh, CMORQ um, in iOS now. Um, and you can go to our website, cmore.app as well. Uh, uh, try it out. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We put out educational content as well. Mm-hmm. And join the uh, revolution. Absolutely. Actually, one thing I was going to... Um ask that you could explain to our listeners which we uh, mentioned um, off air could you actually just explain um, the meaning behind your company and what why it is called um, you know what it's called yeah so uh, it comes from a mythical bird Uh, it's Seymour it is it's a different spelling but we got the CMORQ because CMORQ.com was available Mm -hmm. uh, which is a nice to have and uh, so, but the meaning of the, it's, it's a mythical bird like Phoenix and the meaning of it, literal meaning of it is 30 birds mm-hmm. and it, it represents uh, knowledge. So then the story, shorter version of the story is are 30 birds were looking for a source of knowledge and they were told it's in a lake. So they traveled a long way and it was really tough. They learned a lot of things through their path. And when they got to the lake, there was no one there. And they realized they were the source of knowledge after the experience they were gone through. See, I I love that already. I think, you know, you can have, um, you know, a a name for a company. Yes, of course, I put you on the map, but actually having a a deeper meaning behind it, you know, just something for me, you know, it's just, it makes it a lot more catchy and memorable. Um, So yeah, I just thought um, (laughs) our listeners would enjoy that um, as well as a bit of um, an anecdote. Um, Hussein, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It was great chatting with you. 